Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. I think, I think the reason the Lord has put this message on my heart is because I think we're in trouble. I, I think as a people, we are in trouble, and a lot of us don't even realize it yet. I think a lot of us are kind of like, like a, uh, a frog uh, when you boil a frog. Anybody ever tried to boil a frog before? No, okay, that's not this kind of crowd. That's right, that's good. But So let me explain it to you. <laughs> you cannot take a frog and toss it into a boiling pan of water. It'll jump out. But if you put a frog in a cold pan of water and slowly turn up the heat, that frog will not jump out of the water. It will allow itself to slowly be cooked, okay? And, and I think that's an accurate description of us. I think a lot of us are in trouble and we didn't realize it, that, that the enemy has been slowly turning up the heat in our lives and now our goose is cooked. And I think we're, or our frog is cooked. And I think we're in trouble. And, and I want to share with you a little bit that I don't think it's just us as a church. This is a worldwide epidemic. Now, it's not a worldwide pandemic. It's a worldwide epidemic. That right now, I think there are more people who are exhausted because they're overworked, they're overcalendered, they're overstimulated, and as a result, they're out of touch with their relationship with God, they're out of touch with themselves, and their connections with others are suffering. In a lot of cases around the world, we find that people are literally, right now, working themselves to death. And we are doing the same. And the reason is, is because we never stop. We, we absolutely never stop. Years ago, you would go to work and you would carry a briefcase and you would carry a briefcase to and from work, right? And it, that's how we did things. We'd carry big binders and big folders and lots of paperwork. And then came the, the desktop computer. And the desktop computer, we weren't carrying that back and forth, but a laptop made it easy for work to go with us wherever we wanted to go, right? So, and, and then Wi-Fi made it even more accessible, now we can, we can work from a coffee shop, we can work from a bookstore, we can work from the beach, we can work from wherever, and so we do. And then along comes this crazy little gadget, still rectangle shape, might note, you might note, and it's, and it's an iPhone, or, or, or it's these smartphones. And now our computers, our laptops are the size of this little square that fits in our pockets, and do you know the number of times that we look at our phones every single day? It's thousands of times that we are constantly being pulled and distracted to pull this thing out of our pockets just to look at it, like little crackheads. Where's the lie? Every time we get a, we get a moment where something isn't keeping our attention, what do we do? We've lost connection with ourselves. We've lost connection with others. We've lost connection with God. Aaron, are you saying God's not in this thing? Well, I'm sure that there's good godly reasons for this to exist. But I'm going to tell you that God's heart is not for this thing. It's for these people. We've got a problem. We never stop working. These phones and these laptops have made it so that we never stop working. I know people that go on vacation, and they actually go on vacation. They'll be on the beach, or they'll be poolside, or they'll be, you know, wherever they're at. And you know what? They've got their laptops because they're 
working. Let me tell you something. That's not vacation. That, that's just called a fancy work location. You know what I'm saying? That is not vacation. It's a nice poolside office. But we are so hurried. We are harried and hustled all the time. Because here in our Western culture, we're trying to live up to the American dream, right? We got to have a big house. We got to have nice cars. We got to have two of those. Our kids have to have nice cars. Our kids have to have nice cell phones. And we've got to have nice clothes. And we want to live in a nice neighborhood. And we want to have our, our yards fenced in. And we want to have our, our cable TV and our devices and our Wi-Fi. Like, we, we want it all. And the American dream says you can have it all. You can get anything you want if you work hard enough. And so we hustle. We're Americans. That's what we do. Live out the American dream. We work nonstop trying to keep up with the Joneses. We've got our Monday through Friday job. We've got our side hustle through Amazon. Come on, somebody. Some of us are running fantasy football leagues, and if you don't think that's work, it absolutely is. We've got our news feeds to follow up with, our Facebook groups to respond to. We've got honey-do lists. We've got chores around the house. Chores that have to be done daily, weekly, and monthly. We've got stuff to do. We've, some of us have personal growth plans because we, we want to grow and become better versions of ourselves. So there's books to read. There's mentoring to, to be engaged with. There's classes to take. Some of us are, 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 are find working out at the gym important. Work is literally built into the name. She said, you rest in between sets. Hmm. So we're working out in the gym. We're running our kids here and there all around the square. There's shopping to be done. There's emails to answer. There's texts to respond to. There's parent-teacher meetings to go to and helping the kids with homework. Like, we are working all the time, and it's killing us. In Japan, they literally have people falling over dead at their desks because in Japan, it is very common for employees to work 110 hours Per week. Many of them work until 3 in the morning and are expected to be back at work at 7 a.m. They're dying in their mid-30s and literally dying on their shift because they're overworked and they're working themselves to death. And as a result of working all the time, we've got a problem. We're irritable. We have clouded minds and we have clouded judgment and therefore we make poor decisions. We're out of touch with God, and being out of touch with God means we're not in touch with his power, his provision, with his way, with his best for us. Our connection with self is broken. You have no idea what's going on in your heart because you are so busy working all the time. You can't know what you want. You can't know what you need. Our relationships with others are suffering. Oddly enough, Rest is what we need, but we can't sleep well at night. Why? Because our mind is racing from all the things that it is full of. Our emotions are out of control as a result of being overworked all the time. We have health issues too. High blood pressure may be one of them. Heart attacks, stroke. Sometimes we carry it in our muscles as well. When we live at this level where we are working so hard all the time, it increases our stress level as well. And as a result, our bodies, when we remain at a heightened level of stress, our bodies release a chemical known as cortisol. Do you know what cortisol does? 
it shuts down all non-essential systems in this moment of fight or flight for you because your body's trying to protect you. It says, I'm going to take all these resources from non-essential systems. Do you know what those non-essential systems are that typically get shut down when you're stressed? Your digestive system. So you've got some indigestion, some acid reflux. You've got some bowel issues, do you? Maybe you're stressed out. Maybe. Do you know what else it affects? It also affects your immune system. This is why a lot of you, when you remain at high levels of stress, you are sick easier. Can't tell me that's not an issue here in our country. It also impacts your sex drive as well. And I'll just say that one quietly and move on. <laughs> Does. Shuts down non-essential functions. For many of us, we are likely to get relief during this season of being overwhelmed and overworked and exhausted by abusing some kind of substance. And a lot of us find ourselves in a state of feeling stuck, depressed, and experiencing something called anhedonia. Anhedonia is, uh, is a term they use for the things that used to bring you pleasure no longer bring you pleasure. We feel trapped. We feel broken and lost. Working insane hours. We're under intense pressure with little to no rest. And we're in trouble, and most people don't even realize it. They don't know that this is a real problem we've got. It's a health crisis across the globe. So what do we do? What do we do? What does God have to say about the situation that we find ourselves in? Because there has to be an answer in the Bible somewhere, right? Well, God's answer for us is something that, that many of you have probably heard of, but maybe have dismissed or you don't participate in it, and it's something called a Sabbath. It's a Sabbath. You say, Aaron, what is a Sabbath? Well, it's a Jewish word, but what it actually means is a Sabbath means to cease from labor and to rest. Because rest is one of those subjects, it begins at the very, it's in the very first story of the Bible, and it's in the very last story of the Bible. Because we get to enter into this rest that God has prepared for us, right? And the beginning of the, this first story in creation begins with God resting too. Rest is important. It's found all throughout scripture. God invites us to rest, and he has a plan for us to rest, and it's called the Sabbath, where we cease from our labors, Specifically, a Sabbath is, if you're looking for what does it mean for you, it is a once a week, 24-hour period of time in which you stop work. That means paid and unpaid work alike. We stop it. We don't do it anymore. We enjoy rest. Well, what does that mean? That means any activity that will restore you. And we practice delight. What does that mean? Well, you know, the Sabbath is, is actually supposed to be a weekly party, a festival, a celebration of God's provision. And you're supposed to take that day and have a party and celebrate. Practice delight that day. And the last thing that, you, that your Sabbath should look like is, is you should spend some time contemplating God. This is, the, the Sabbath is something that God said, I've set it aside for myself. It's holy to him. And we need to enjoy him and all of his creation on our Sabbath. That's what the Sabbath should look like. It's a weekly invite into what heaven would be like, right? Because on the Sabbath, when we're doing no work, it represents this total reliance, this complete 
trust in God's provision, just like the Garden of Eden was before sin entered in. There was no labor. Yes, there was work, but it was fulfilling work. It was not labor that they had to do in order to grow their food and eat and survive. That came after sin entered in. And so Sabbath, Sabbath is God's idea. And it's something that is patterned after his own behavior. Because in the creation story, the first story in the Bible, God created the world and all of it in it in six days. He did it in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. Now, your Bible doesn't call that a Sabbath. The first time it actually appears in your Bible is not in the Ten Commandments. It's actually a few chapters before that in Exodus. And here's what it says in Exodus 16 about the Sabbath. This is the first time it's mentioned. It says, then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. So Moses is talking on behalf of God. He says, tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. Now pause. What God is talking about here is daily provision. See, as the Israelites wandered through the wilderness on their way to the promised land, God provided food every single day called manna. And that manna was always good for that day, but would spoil if you tried to save it for the next day, okay? And so anybody that did that, it would stink, it would have worms in it the next morning, and they couldn't eat it. But if they ate it on the day they collected it, on the day God provided it, it would be delicious and healthy for them. And so he says to them, but on this day, because tomorrow is the Sabbath, he says, I want you, want you to, to get some extra. Lay up for yourselves all the remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up to the morning, as Moses commanded, and it didn't stink, nor were there any worms in it. So, so on any other day, what they collected would spoil at the end of the day. But when the Sabbath was the following day, it would keep. And so God said, on day six, collect enough manna so that you can eat today and you can eat tomorrow. God provided for them, and he wanted them to rely on him on that day. And so verse 25 says, Then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. It's important to note that God's provision for the Sabbath did not come on the Sabbath. It came the day before. God would provide. And this pattern is here to let us know that if we work on the Sabbath, if we were to do that, give effort that day, if we work on the Sabbath, that God's letting us know by this pattern that I'm not going to put my blessing on anything you do on that seventh day. I'm not going to give you my provision. I'm not going to give you my power. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it in your own strength. And that's what he says, that's what this is for. He says, hey, this is a pattern to let us know that God's not going to add that power and provision to it because we are supposed to rest on the Sabbath, not work. God provides enough for us on the six days to be able to rest on the one day. Verse 26, he says, six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there'll be none. So he's already told them that, right? There won't be anything there. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. Huh, isn't that interesting? Isn't that funny how people are people? God says, hey, there ain't gonna be any on day seven, and yet they still go out looking for it on day seven like God's a liar. Isn't that funny how we all do that sometimes? Don't touch that, it's hot. Don't touch that, it's hot. Don't touch that, it's hot. Man, that's hot. That's hot. Yeah. Now it happened that some of oh, I said that already. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. 
Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. But why did God do this? Well, it's to keep us from having fun, obviously, right? Gave us a bunch of rules and a bunch of rituals and rites, restrictions, because he's just a big old meanie. That's not who God is. He's the opposite of that. God wants us to enjoy our lives, to enjoy him, and to enjoy his creation. That's who God is. He knows best. He knows what we need We need in our lives. You know why? Because he created us. He created us, and he knows we desperately need to rest. That's what, why the Sabbath was created for us as believers, as God's kids. And so the Sabbath, the Sabbath is a weekly invitation to rest. Now, there's four things that I, I think you need to know about this Sabbath rest. Four things you need to know. It's an invitation, but it's also a commandment. It's a commandment. Rest is so important to God that he didn't leave this as a suggestion to us. He actually put this rest in the big, in the big ten. No, not with the Buckeyes and, you know, I mean, in the Ten Commandments. He put the command to honor a Sabbath in the Ten Commandments. And it's the fourth one we come to. Now, that's commandment to honor a Sabbath doesn't say anything about going to church. But I do believe that going to church is a powerful thing that you can do on your Sabbath because attending a service is restorative to you because it helps you get your mindset right. It helps you get ready for your week. The church attendance is restorative, and that's why you see that root word there, rest. That's why it's okay to do on a Sabbath, but it doesn't necessarily mean church attendance. Sabbath means to rest. And it's not a suggestion from God. It is a command. Note this also that as you read the commandments, if you were to go through and read the Ten Commandments, that number four, this remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, this, this thing right here, God goes on and explains more about this one commandment than any of the other ones. Do you know why? Because he knew you'd argue with him. Because he knew that you were going to look for a way out. He knew also the reason you were going to argue with God about resting is because of things like the American dream. That, man, we can work seven days a week, and we can make a bunch of money. We can hustle and work hard. Never stop working, man. Got to grind. Got to make this happen. And let me tell you something. He knew that money would be the number one contender for that place in your heart that he is supposed to hold. And so he explains this clearly. Sabbath is a commandment. Here's what it says in Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. That means you can do all your emails. You can do all your correspondence. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. It means turn your phone off. Well, I'm touching a little close to home for people, huh? Just trying to make it modern for you. Now, this is important that you understand that this is not a suggestion. That, that this is in the list, that Ten Commandments list, and it's as serious as murder, coveting, stealing, lying, adultery. These are all things that you wouldn't do because you know better, right? You know that you wouldn't do those things. It's, but these, these things are all on the same list where the Sabbath falls. The first ones, to, to put God first, no idols, don't take God's name in vain, honor your mother and father. Honoring the Sabbath is in that list, and we wouldn't do any of these other things, and yet we have no problem, no problem 
violating the Sabbath. We overlook it. He goes on, he says, so in it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Nobody, nobody needs to be doing any work on the seventh day. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. That word hallowed it isn't just another way of saying uh, that he made it holy. Holy is, is that he set it apart. That, it, that it's his. He's laid claim to it for his purpose. So God invents this six-day work week and gives us one day of rest. And he put the Sabbath in his top ten list of best things for us. And yet Christians, by our actions, regularly demonstrate that they believe they can violate this commandment, but no other. But let me tell you, we don't keep the commandment of Sabbath to be saved. We keep it to be blessed. We keep it to be blessed. Y'all are awful quiet today, and I understand. I'm getting in your business, and I mean to. That's what I said when I stood up here and said, I'm going to pastor you. On those days that I grab the microphone and say that, put your seatbelt on and buckle up. Let's go. We obey God's commands to be blessed. Because we know that if we violate them, there are consequences. If we lie, we break relationship. If we steal, not only do we have the humiliation of having been caught, we might be fine. We might have jail time. If we murder someone, there's definitely jail time. But there's also living the rest of our lives knowing that we took somebody's loved one out of this world. We have to live with that pain. There are consequences. There are earthly and heavenly consequences if we violate God's commands. Now, Thursdays are my Sabbath. Now, I don't think the day of the week that you, that you have your Sabbath is important. That's why I do mine on Thursday. Most of us will do a Sabbath on Sunday, but Sundays are my work day, so I'm not doing that. But I Sabbath on Thursdays. And people ask me all the time, all the time, every week there's an inquiry to do something with me on Thursday. And it's good things. A lot of it's godly things, important things opportunities to make a difference. And I'm telling you, the enemy sends something to me nearly every week. But good things are not always God things. Because the God thing in this situation is for me to fiercely protect the Sabbath, to honor it, to remember it and keep it. Those are aggressive words. That is, I'm on the offense here, or I'm on the defense to protect this thing. I'm going to remember it and keep it because God says to do it. But asking me to do something on a Thursday, on my Sabbath, it, it should be because it falls in the same list like asking me to murder someone for you or lie for you. You're saying to Pastor Aaron, that can't be right. Why isn't it? Why isn't it? I don't really think you're going to ask me to kill somebody. I don't think. <clears throat> but I protect that day fiercely. I give a lot of no's so that I can say yes to God. And by the way, I don't do that perfectly, okay? I don't do it perfectly. I, I do have a plan to be obedient, and I rearrange my life, which, by the way, rearranging your life so that you can honor God, meaning putting everything in alignment his way, is what we call repentance. And so I live a lifestyle of repentance around this because I want to honor God with my Sabbath every week. I don't always make that mark, but I learn a little bit every week, and I go, all right, I'll make sure that doesn't happen again so that I can honor God. But my question is, why do we feel like we can violate this command and not suffer the consequences of it? There are consequences. And here's the thing. I don't have to tell you that. You already feel it. You already have a sense of exhaustion in your life. 
You already feel this. So Sabbath rest is a commandment. But it's also a witness. Do you know what a witness is? A witness is like a sign or a signal to others. It's an indication of something. It's something that speaks on behalf of you and it informs others. In other words, a witness might sound like, man, there's something different about those people of God. There's something different in them. They have something that I want. It's your life will stand as a witness or as a testimony to other people. Exodus 31, you shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you, and everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Are we getting the idea now? Over and over again, we work six days, we rest on the seventh. It's important to God. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a, watch this, perpetual covenant. You know what perpetual means? Ongoing. It doesn't stop. So for anybody who would go, well, this is in the Old Testament, Aaron. It's not for me today as a New Testament Christ follower. Let me tell you that because of what Jesus did, we get spiritually adopted into God's people. God's people are the Israelites. And I'm sorry, let me see that again. Oh, it's a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. So because of what Jesus did, that means you're adopted into that family. You are a child of Israel. Okay, if you're trekking with me, that means that it's for you forever. The Sabbath is for you. It's not relegated to, to the people of the Old Testament. It's for you today. He said, it's a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. You say, Aaron, how was God? A God who never gets exhausted. How was he refreshed? Well, let's look at the root word. The root word here is originally in the Hebrew, and what it actually means is that God took a breath, that, that he inhaled. <sighs> he inhaled. Because why? What had God been doing? What well, he'd been creating. Well, how did God create? Well, the Bible tells us that God spoke. How do we speak? We exhale. So God's been six days creating, exhaling, and on the seventh day, he inhaled. You can understand this. You've heard the phrase, man, I would really just wish I had an opportunity to catch my breath. We feel that. We feel it deeply. This, you can catch your breath, and you can do it weekly. You know, I get asked about my Sabbath, and people ask, Aaron, what do you do on your Sabbath? Well, you know, it's not just about what I do. It's also about what I don't do on my Sabbath. It's about what I don't do. So I'm not working for wages. I'm not competing for rewards. I'm making time to relax and do nothing. That's what I'm scheduled to do most Sabbaths. Nothing. I do nothing. So you just kind of sit? Well, that would be something. I do nothing, and I do it well. Use my Sabbath to read and study religious materials. I can spend time with my family. Uh, I'll take leisurely strolls. I'll enjoy meals with, with friends and with family. I, we, I, I make sure that I, I spend time talking with people. Uh, we can attend religious services on your Sabbath, and, or you can pray and meditate. Or, and again, this, this one's on the list because theologians and historians agree that the Sabbath would have been set apart. And one of the most important things on it is um, marital delight. Love making with your spouse? All right. 
It's a God-blessed thing on a God-blessed day, so let's go. It's double anointing. My, my point is, and all the married people said, Amen. yeah, let it be, Lord. <laughs> There's no work. There's no work on a Sabbath. It's, I know that's counterintuitive to our American culture. It absolutely is. But God says to rest, and if we do, he'll bless us, and it'll be a sign. It'll be a witness for, for others that we are God's people. It's kind of like tithing. Because let me help you understand. We have to believe that God can do more with our 90% than we can do with 100%. That in order to honor a Sabbath, to fully rest, to cease all work, to do this in a God-honoring way, in order to do this, we're going to have to believe that God can do more with our six days than we can do in seven. That's what we, got, we have to believe. Because God always does more with less when we put our faith in him. That's what he does. He can absolutely do more with less. And that will stand as a witness for us and as a testimony of our faith to others. So the Sabbath rest is a command. It's a witness to others. And the third thing is it's serious. God takes this very seriously, and we should too. Numbers 15 says, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. <gasps> the shame of it all, <laughs> gathering sticks. And those who found him gathering sticks brought in Moses and Aaron to all the congregation. They put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to him. <clears throat> Wrong. Yes, it had been. But they were like, that's icky. I don't know. We got to stone a guy? He was just picking up sticks. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. We were recently in Israel. Sabbath day, it was like a ghost town everywhere. It was crazy. They take it very serious. I'd never seen anything like it. Cities, empty. No cars on the road, except all of us, all of us Americans, all the, all the international people, kind of tourists, thank you. That's what we are. Walking around, looking for shops to be open, and they're closed. They take it so serious that the hotel we stayed in, there's hotels for all the tourists, but there's one for all the Jewish people. And on Sabbath, that, ho that elevator starts and goes up and stops at every single floor. When it gets to the top, it goes back down and stops at every single floor on the way down. That way, you don't have to push a button because that's work. If you know any Jewish people that, that are, that are, are uh, honoring the Mosaic Covenant today, they, they, they're very, very serious about this and extreme about it. To, to, they, they won't flip a light switch. In other words, they turn on all the lights in their house. They get everything open that needs to be open for them for the Sabbath, because if they don't have it open or the lights turned on, uh, they, can't turn, they can't flip switches, open drawers, or anything. That's why they make friends with lots of Christians, because on the Sabbath day, they'll call their friends, hey, can you come open this door? I closed it and forgot to have it open. <laughs> Bathroom lights not on, and we're in trouble over here. It's definitely moisture on the floor, and we don't know why. <laughs> it's, this is true. This is, I mean, it, it's, it's very, very serious. There in Israel, they have a group of people called the ultra-Orthodox Jews. And the ultra-Orthodox Jews, they don't work. The men just study the law. The women just have babies and, and cook, and they live off of the government. 
but they're very, very extreme about this law. That's why on the Sabbath, and they have these pockets of communities all throughout the cities. And the police will come and shut the gates to those communities because if you walk, just walk, into a community with the ultra-Orthodox Jews on a Sabbath, they will stone you and kill you. Today. It's that serious. This is a serious thing to God. And in 1 Corinthians 10, it tells us that everything that happens in the Old Testament was, is to be used as an example for us, that, that it's written there for instructing us and guiding us. Now, we don't kill people today for this, but we are killing ourselves because we aren't resting, because we aren't attending to God's best for us. I look forward to my Sabbath every single week because it helps me to catch my breath, and I'm very, very serious about this. I spend time with the Lord, I worship, I pray, uh, and I do that first. I'll attend a church online somewhere and, and listen to one of my favorite pastors and take notes to restore myself to do what you guys do on, your, on a Sunday or, or your Sabbath. I, I do nothing if I want to. I, I do self-care. I'll go to a barber. I'll have a therapy session. I'll get a massage. I'll go for walks. I take a nap, and I take a nap, and I don't set an alarm. I wake up when I wake up, and it's glorious. When's the last time you did that? You know, Jesus took naps, by the way. Some of you are walking through a storm right now, and you just need to take a nap. That's free for you. That's not even in my notes over here. I'm just letting you know. You just need to rest. I'll lay in my pool, have a good meal with a life-giving friend, spend time with my, my wife and kids. I won't answer work inquiries, texts, emails, phone calls, nothing. I don't do chores either that day. I do chores all the other days during the week so that on my Sabbath, I honor the Lord, and I don't do paid or unpaid work. And I, got, and, I get, and I give attention to my hobbies. I'll game a bit, read a book, practice. But my Sabbath is serious to me because it's restorative. It's serious. I am my best self when I attend to God's best for me, and you will be too. Now, I oftentimes get asked about emergencies. Aaron, what do you do in the situation of an emergency? Of course, I attend to those emergencies. And Jesus addressed that too. He said, you know, on the Sabbath, if your donkey falls into a ditch, you know what you do? You get your donkey out of the ditch. You help him out, right? You absolutely do that. But if your donkey falls into the ditch every single Sabbath, that's not a mistake anymore, friends. That's a choice. That's called a mismanagement of your time and your resources because your donkey keeps falling in. So, so change it. Fix that situation so that every single Sabbath it doesn't happen. I do that. I, I, emergencies are just that, though, by the way. I want to make sure that I handle everything I can. That's why I'm learning and progressing towards being fully resting on a Sabbath day. But emergencies happen, and I will give attention to those things because I should. It absolutely should. Emergencies, though, are something we aren't prepared for. So your journey to honoring the Sabbath, of course, is not going to be perfect. There'll be things you won't think of will come up, and you'll have to handle them. But you'll learn them for next time, and you'll manage it better so that on those other six days so that you can honor God on the seventh. Why? Because it's serious. So it's a command, it's a witness for you, it's serious, and finally, it's a blessing. Don't look at this as God being restrictive or trying to ruin your day. He's got good things for you. And I'm telling you, the Sabbath, my Sabbath, my weekly Sabbath is such a gift to me. Taking a day off is a blessing. Mark chapter 2, 20, verse 23. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. So this is Jesus. It's his Sabbath which, by the way, was, was, uh, was the evening, Friday evening till the evening on Saturday. It was that 24-hour period. And they're walking through the fields, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. 
So they're eating. They're not harvesting the grain to sell it or to store it. They're plucking grain and eating it. And the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders, the pastors of the day, who look at him and say, why, why do they do what's not lawful on the Sabbath? Look at them. They're over there working. And Jesus is like, nah, kid, they're just eating. Look what he said. He said to them, have you ever read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread. Pause. See, in the temple and in the tabernacle, there was this table in the holy place called the table of showbread. And on it was this fresh baked bread every day. It was to remind them, the priest, of God's provision for them every day. It was just a reminder. And this is the bread. David and his men were hungry, and they came through, and they took it, and they ate it. God's provision. The nerve. He said he gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man, for the Sabbath. It's not there just so that you have a terrible time and you have a bunch of rules and stuff you've got to follow. No, it's a discipline that we learn to live in our lives. Oh, and it's a blessing. It's a blessing. It was made for you, not you for it. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus is fighting against this legalistic approach to the Sabbath, saying it's for you, not against you. It wasn't to restrict them or keep them from having fun. It was to refresh them, bring them restitution, and restore them. And my friends, every single one of us need that. Every single one of you, under the sound of my voice, you need that. We live in a culture where we are slowly killing ourselves because we are not resting well. I know you can feel it, and I know you don't want that. But my question to you is, are you willing to taste and see? Because as with all of God's invitations, that's the nature of it. That you're never going to understand it. You're never going to be able to grasp the beauty of it and the benefit of it just knowing things about it. You have to experience it. You have to taste and see that it is good. And it will be work to rearrange your life. But such as it is in all things when God invites us to his best, there's work to be done repentance to be done to rearrange our lives to live this way and I'm just going to be frank and I'm going to be a little bold here the only reason that we won't honor the Sabbath is because we don't trust God we trust in our money we trust in the American way but you can trust God and you can take the day off people of faith are rested people because they trust God with their lives let's pray Father, I know that this is up in everybody's business. We don't rest well. We are hustling all the time. We are hurried all the time. We are distracted all the time, working nonstop, and this is just not your plan. The enemy knows that if he can't get us to sin, what he'll do is make us so busy that we are ineffective, that we are disconnected from you, disconnected from our own hearts, disconnected from others. And that's where we find ourselves, exhausted, unable to give attention and energy to what's really in our hearts and what's really important for us. We're busy running someone else's dream, running someone else's pace, running a life that was not intended for us. So God, I pray that you help us repent. I pray that you would help us to see this as serious, that you would help us to see it as a blessing. Lord, to experience it 
as a witness for our lives as we honor what it truly is, a commandment from you, that this is the way to experience your best for us, to work six days and rest on the seventh. Lord, we're gonna need your wisdom. We're gonna need your counsel, your spirit. We're gonna need some boundaries and some difficult conversations around some things. And we're gonna have to say no to some stuff so we can say our best yes. God, give us the power and the strength and the wisdom to see how we can do that. For those that are already on that journey, help them as they continue to, to honor you better and more and more. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us. In this holy moment, I also want to speak to the other people in the room. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. And that's the real rest. That's the most important rest. It's the first rest, actually that he invites you into. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. He has rest. He offers you a full and fulfilled life. And today you can be in relationship with your heavenly father through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. The Bible says that all we have to do is believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we will be saved, that we'll be transformed, made brand new, our lives redeemed. If you're ready for that, if you'd like a relationship with God, I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment and I would ask you that if you'd like to join me in that journey, if you wanna be in a relationship with God through Jesus, Pray that prayer with me. And by the way, would you just let me know that you're gonna pray? Would you just lift your hand right now? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's gonna make fun of you. We're just gonna celebrate you here in a moment. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for those hands. You can put your hands down now. Christians, we ought to be praying. Everybody pray together. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that heaven is having a party. Can we celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today? Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step in to make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.